Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is a free iOS app to download, and you can have a full-blown discussion with me or other sports enthusiasts on your favorite team in terms of breaking news, post-game reaction, whatever the case might be. Give it a shot, and I will tell you guys when I go live, so that way you can interact with me in the future. You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alrighty now, what is up New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer and also Devils writer for the hockey writers, Trey Matthews. And it's currently 2.12 a.m. Eastern Time, March 27th, 2021 at the time of this recording. Guys, this is normally when I do a post-game reaction, but for the first time this year, surprisingly, the New Jersey Devils were shut out by the Washington Capitals by a score of 4 to nothing. Ovechkin was able to net two goals this game, so... Ultimately, not a good outing for the New Jersey Devils. But like I said, interesting fact, this is the first time they got shut out this year. So overall, I guess uh, if you want to look at a positive, at least the New Jersey Devils don't get shut out too often. But uh, ultimately, we've dropped the first two games against the Capitals. And now we got to play the Bruins twice and then the Capitals once more, twice again. And for Ovechkin, he's just really, really, really good at hockey. So New Jersey, just try to keep him in check. I I know it's easier said than done. He's one of the most dominant hockey players in this generation generation if that in all of hockey history so overall you know you got to do what you got to do against Ovechkin but you know what for the New Jersey Devils uh just we got to keep fighting so let's look at the updated standings for the East Division so the Capitals are atop of the division now at 22 7 and 4 with 48 points the Islanders are 22 8 and 4 with 48 points the Penguins are 21 11 and 2 with 44 points the Bruins are 16 8 and 5 with 37 points the Rangers are 15 13 and 4 with 34 points the Flyers are 15 13 and 4 with 34 points the good guys are 12 16 and 4 with 28 points and then there are the Sabres who have not won a game since February 23rd. In fact, uh, the team that they beat was the New Jersey Devils. And guess what? Interesting fact, Nico Heizer was active that game. So the Sabres are 6-22-4 with 16 points to their credit. Guys, this episode is actually going to be very interesting because I am not going to be doing a post-game reaction. I am actually bringing a special guest to talk the New Jersey Devils and also his career in the writing industry. It is going to be Robert Inkin Jr. He is a sports writer for Varsity Aces and North Jersey, which is part of the USA Today branch. And overall, we're going to be talking about his career, his opinions on the New Jersey Devils, what he knows about the Devils organization so far. Ultimately, this is going to be a great discussion, and I'm looking forward for you guys to hear it and just hear a whole new perspective of someone talking about New Jersey Devils that isn't my own, and maybe, you know, we feed off each other and just talk about our opinions. We agree with each other on some things, other things we don't agree with each other on, but Overall, it was a great discussion, and I'm glad that Robert was able to take time out of his busy day and just come on to this show, and we will definitely have him back in a future episode. 
But uh, before we bring in Robert, it's actually uh, time to do the first live read this morning. And it's going to come from betonline.ag. So, guys, obviously you know that March Madness is big right now. So you need to go to betonline.ag. College basketball and the NHL are in full swing. We already have some big matchups on schedule, on tabs. So BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Surprise, surprise. I'm not surprised because BetOnline is that awesome. So real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Talent talks about one or more teams. NHL Games of the Week, NBA Players of the Week, whatever comes to mind, they got it. So anything sports, they got you covered, all right? So also visit our good friends at Locked On Bets so that way you can get your predictions up and early so that way you can place your bets and you have no excuse to say, oh, I didn't know what games were going to happen or this that a third also visit at bet online underscore ag and they also have you covered as well so bet online your online sportsbooks experts get with it and get in the action everybody and speaking of march madness bill bar is also doing something but a little different with their own twist so let's take that away as well okay everybody we've heard of march madness for basketball but have you heard of march madness for built bar so we've been telling you about built bar the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Bill Bar is an amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. Now it is time to find out which Bill Bar is the best. It is Built Bar March Madness. So come on, head over to Built Bar's website and vote for your favorite flavor of Built Bar, and hopefully they advance in the bracket, similar to how college basketball March Madness works. So vote as many times as you possibly can, and hopefully your flavor advances. Personally, I'm a huge fan of chocolate and caramel, and I also love brownies because I'm always cooking brownies with my mother. So those are two of my favorite flavors, but Hopefully, uh, your favorite personal flavor can advance to the next round as well. So, remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. I repeat, at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Man, I love Built Bar so much. Phew, man, those live reads take a lot out of me. Okay, disclaimer time. This interview was done before the game against the Capitals in which the Devils came out on the losing spectrum by a score of 4 to nothing. I repeat, this interview was conducted before the game against the Capitals on March 26th. So I'm just saying when we're talking about the Capitals and we're talking about the Devils, obviously it hadn't happened during the time of the interview. So just wanted to let you guys know. Okay, I think I've kept you waiting long enough. Let's bring in Robert Inkin Jr. from Varsity Aces and North Jersey. Take it away. All right, joining me via Zoom, he is a sports writer for Varsity Aces and North Jersey, which is part of the USA Today branch. He is a seasoned veteran in this industry. It is Robert Inkin Jr. Robert, thank you for joining me on Locked on Devils. And how are you doing on this fine afternoon? I'm doing better now that you introduced me like that. I think I might need to make you my publicist or something. That's that's fantastic. My resume is always open. So anyway, uh, I want to get straight into it. So uh, let's talk about humble beginnings. Uh, where did hockey begin for you? 
well, hockey began for me. Um, you know, I'm I'm a New Jersey native. I, I grew up in, in Little Ferry, Southern Bergen County, literally uh, two towns away from the old uh, the Meadowlands, where where the Continental Airlines Arena started. So, uh, you know that that's that's the birthplace of the Devils, essentially. And uh, for me, in the '90s, you know, it, it was a it was a quick drive down uh, to to watch a Devils game. It, it was. It was easy and it was convenient, and uh, it's just really where my fandom kind of began with them, 96-ish. I want to say I probably – I don't remember much about the 95 uh, Stanley Cup championships. I I did have a hat that uh, ended up getting destroyed over the years, but, uh, you know, really my my hockey uh, fandom kind of began in the early 90s, early to mid-90s with the Devils. So, you know, you talk about how, you know, you don't remember much from the 1995 uh, championship run. However, uh, I wasn't born then. So, you know, <laughs> there's that. But, you know, so you, you talk about you grew up a New Jersey Devils fan. You're a, you're a native uh, New Jersey, or I guess that's how you could say it. Um, uh, over, overall, like my, my question for you is how did you get involved with writing for the New Jersey Devils? In, in fact, I actually want to take it a few steps back. How did you get into the writing industry? Sure. Um, I was an athlete in high school, just like a lot of uh, other uh, sports writers that you that you may know of. And uh, in college, I, I kind of took a step away from the field and get involved with Montclair State University, uh, go Red Hawks. And uh, at that point, I got involved in the state, uh, the school's newspaper. Um, you know, I was friends with uh, some of the athletes that were competing at a D3 level and I was going to the games and it just became a natural progression for me to kind of work for the paper and, and do stuff there. And then uh, while I was there um, at the, uh, the Montclairian, which is the newspaper at Montclair state, uh, I got involved with uh, bleacher report kind of uh, before they were even bought by Turner. So it was kind of like grassroots bleacher report. And I was a, an intern for them and did some writing for them as well. And uh, it just took, you know, a couple of years, but uh, you know, knowing some people from, uh, from working at the paper in, in college and, and getting the opportunity to work for NorthJersey.com. Because uh, it's five years ago now. Started as a, a clerk, a statistician, if you will, kind of putting all the box scores in at the back. And, uh, you know, some opportunities came to me and uh, just kind of worked myself up from working community weekly papers and, and getting more and more involved. You know, it's so funny. I had Craig Custance, who uh, is the editor-in-chief for the U.S.'s athletic branch uh, a couple of months ago, and he talked about how he left ESPN and joined the athletic when it wasn't, you know, that popular at the time. Like, no one knew what it was. So, basically, he was joining an an organization that kind of had to build from the ground up. And we always talk about in this industry that, you know, it's always a risk to join new organizations because, you know, there's no guarantee that it'll become successful. Like, uh, you know, you talk about Bleacher Report, like uh, Bleacher Report is everywhere. I follow them on Twitter, Instagram, wherever the case might be. They they post, you know, amazing content from uh, basketball, football, whatever the case might be, like just a entertaining um, industry in general. And obviously, I'm very familiar with The Athletic, and I also follow their social media pages. So what is it like just being able to just join that organization and I guess uh, just hop on the bandwagon before everyone else was? Uh, it was interesting uh, at the time. It was literally just a, uh, it was a part-time internship, basically opportunity. I was editing articles. So 
to date myself at all, I actually worked the uh, I worked the summer that LeBron made his decision to go to South Beach, just oh, for some uh, from his from some historical context there. Uh, so there was a lot of you know Bleacher Report at its at its heart was all about um, having the fans get a voice, and you'd have a lot of fans that would you know write trading articles about you know who, who they thought people should be trading for and predictions about stuff so you had to kind of weed through some stuff but uh you know that was bleach report at its heart and as it kind of caught on and became a, a much bigger deal they were able to go out there and get some some real professional names to kind of build up their their stock but uh, i can say I, I knew people when you know when bleach report was was much more lowly and uh and certainly not what it is today Right. So, you know, we talked about that process. So uh, I want to go to something a little more current. You uh, currently work for North Jersey, which is part of uh, the USA Today branch. I've been featured in USA Today. You, t- you told me you, you saw my article with Everett Fitzhugh, who's going to be the new uh, play-by-play announcer for the Seattle Kraken's radio station. And, um, you know, you, you said you, you thought it was a good article. My question to you is, like, what's it like working for USA Today, which is also a big name organization and just uh, a news source that everyone is so familiar with? It's strange, really, because, um, you know, you get kind of attached to Gannett and the USA Today network and all that other stuff. Uh, you know, when I first joined the record, we were still owned locally and people kind of knew who the record, NorthJersey.com, we have a, a hundred names, honestly, and now we have more now that we're a part of, you know, Gannett and the USA Today Network. Uh, it, it becomes a little strange just because you have, you, you have such a network where, you know, we're all kind of connected with, uh, you know, whether it's Asbury Park Press down in, in, uh, in South Jersey where they have Philadelphia coverage or, you know, Low Hud where we have the Lower Hudson Valley. That's where we have our, our Rangers writer, uh, Vin Mercagliano. I think I got his last name correct there. So it's just it's just strange where uh, you know our writers can kind of uh, network with other beat writers and we we almost become you know we're we're all just interconnected and uh, you know I I've had my stuff kind of uh, seen in other states and you know USA Today picks it up or or what have you and then now you have uh, readers and you have emails from people that are on the other side of the country and and it's it's. It's strange. It really is to, to have that whole connectivity and, and get involved with USA Today. Yep. And obviously just USA Today, similar to Bleacher Report, just a, a big name organization. And I'm sure uh, it's just a great honor to be associated with those two great companies. Um, now, I want to talk about the New Jersey Devils, because obviously that's what you cover. Um, overall, the New Jersey Devils are 12, 15 and four this season. Uh, they are seventh in the East currently, and they lost their last game against the Capitals last night by a score of four to three. And obviously at the time of this recording, they are going to be playing tonight against Washington Capitals. Overall, I think the New Jersey Devils are kind of on a little bit of a hot streak right now, even with that loss yesterday, because it was still a hard fought game. So it was just a tick for tack kind of game. So obviously uh, Merkley gets the first goal. Then a few moments later, the Devils let up a goal then. Uh, Wood gets a goal, and then uh, the Capitals strike right back. And then, obviously, Jesper Brock came up clutch in the power play in period number three. But, unfortunately, uh, we got a little unlucky with Severson. So, what have you been seeing from the New Jersey Devils these past couple of games? Uh, just in the last couple of games, I, I feel like, you know, e- even when uh, 
Trey, when we, when we spoke last, you know, they were still kind of uh, trying to find their footing again. Uh, really lately, it's been it's been more than just going out there and, and creating a good effort. You know, I, I know that we we saw them have a good effort. The Capitals are obviously a very good team and, and certainly a contender uh, out of the East. But the Devils have kind of evolved themselves away from being that team that you're just happy to see not get themselves embarrassed. And now they're a team that can steal a point, maybe even steal two against some of these higher, you know, higher echelon teams. I mean, they're, they've certainly played well this year and lately against uh, a team like the Boston Bruins, who everyone kind of sees as one of the front runners in the East, if not the entire Eastern conference. So, uh, you know, it's strange because when they have this success, I think some fans get a little too excited and they, they get a little, uh, you know, thinking that this is going to be the year. And, uh, you know, that year is coming. It's just – it was never in, supposed to be in the cards for this year. And, uh, you know, any, anything you get from them this year should just be a, uh, you know, icing on the cake really. Right. So, like, if we were look at the standings right now, obviously you got the Islanders and Capitals and Penguins on top of the division. Uh, Islanders with 48 points, Capitals with 46, uh, Penguins with 44. Then uh, the middle of the pack kind of gets a little interesting. So the Bruins have 37 points, and the Rangers and the Flyers are right now tied with 34 points. And obviously the Flyers uh, played the Rangers in their last game, and they once again played terribly. They lost 8-3, to and – uh, the Devils are right behind them at 28 points. And I said, slowly but surely, the Devils are starting to creep their way back in. And then, obviously, the Sabres are so far behind, it's not even funny. Um, but o- overall, I just want to say, is there any chance, like I've been saying this on my show a lot, not, you know, get a, a playoff position per se, but is there any chance the Devils can move up a few spots, especially with a team like the Flyers really starting to fade really fast? Because, I say if the Rangers could go on a cold streak after their Flyers series and the Flyers continue to play poorly, it's a very good chance the Devils uh, could finish fifth in the division because uh, at the beginning of the year, that's what I said would be their best uh, case scenario, which is um, if they, uh, if all goes right for them, like everything goes right for them, like no bumps in the road. Obviously we've had a few bumps this year, but still what I meant was like uh, they would finish fifth in the division. Is that at all possible right now? It is. I, I think if you're a Devils fan, you're probably eyeing up the fifth or sixth spot in the East is probably where they're going to end up finishing. Uh, like you mentioned, Buffalo is just in complete disarray right now. And you know that it's weird when you look at, at them and, and even Philadelphia and what Philadelphia is going through right now. I think that those will be the, the bottom two teams in that division. And a few weeks ago, you probably thought the Devils were going to be in that position that the Flyers and the Sabres are in right now. And they never really were, you know, the, the, the devils were kind of, they were, uh, they, they were, they were drowning in the deep end a little bit for, for a little bit, but uh, you know, the devils were able to kind of get themselves to higher ground. They were able to kind of figure some stuff out and they're not in the position that a Philadelphia or a Buffalo is in, you know, where, where will they finish is anyone's guess. Uh, will it be sixth? Will they, you know, jump past the Rangers and get to fifth? Um, they're not incredibly out of it in terms of the top four, but if you want to curb your uh, your thoughts and you know your pie in the sky dreams, uh, I'm thinking fifth, maybe sixth as a, a final spot. 
Yeah, that's what I've been telling my listeners because I, I've been telling them the last uh, couple episodes, which is I'm not going to entertain the fact that the Devils could possibly sneak into the playoffs. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but they're certainly starting to, you know, make that comeback, but it's going to be very difficult. And uh, we have a few key games coming up. So obviously we have a game tonight against the Washington Capitals. Then we got to do a two-game series against the Boston Bruins, a team that we've actually handled pretty well this year. I believe we are 3-0-1 and against them. And then uh, the next uh, two games after the Boston Bruins uh, series is going to be the Washington Capitals once again. And then towards the end of the season, we're actually going to have to play a four-game series set against the Rangers, which could really help us if we're still that close with them. So overall, what matchups are you looking for in the future? Obviously, you know, the scheduling is very limited, but what key matchups are you looking for that the Devils need to win or need to catch lightning in a bottle in order to just improve uh, their sitting in the division? I mean, it's nice to think that they can steal some points with, you know, the likes of the Islanders and, and Washington even tonight. But if you want to talk about games, not just for this season, but just going forward, having a good mentality going forward, you're going to need to, to beat those teams like the Rangers, like the Flyers, and definitely the Sabres. Um, I mean, the Sabres are going to get another point between now and the end of the season unless something historically happens in the NHL. So they're going to have to beat somebody, and you just don't want it to be you. But it's not the end of the world if they do get a point here or there, you know, losing to those kind of teams. But you want to gobble up as many points as you possibly can there and, and kind of beat up the, uh, the teams that are kind of among you. And, and that will, will raise them in terms of the standings. And then you just want to see – what kind of fun you could possibly have against the Islanders. Obviously the Islanders defensively are just something else. Uh, offensively, the Capitals, you can see what, what Ovechkin can kind of do when, when he's uh, given an opportunity to do stuff. Even someone like Pittsburgh, you know, you could see the, the goal that, uh, that Crosby had against Mackenzie Blackwood when they were in Pittsburgh. You know, no one's making that goal. And you're going to have to deal with stuff like that. You're going to have to just kind of weather that storm. But these are the teams you're going to be playing year in and year out. And you want these young guys to get used to and get acclimated to, you know, being successful against some of these teams that you would normally see when the Metropolitan Division does come back. Right. And, you know, like I said, this is basically an inter-squad between your peers because we're seeing the same teams night in and night out. And also we're only playing 56 games this year and the season's a little more than halfway done. And it's hard to believe that because it just feels like it just started. So, you know, it's just so, so surprising that the season has moved uh, briskly along and that we're actually getting close to the trade deadline. And that's something we're going to talk about uh, in a second, but I just want to bring up this fact while we're on the subject of rebuilding and where uh, we're at currently as a team. So uh, one of my listeners sent me a message and he asked me this question Do you think uh, the Devils should do all they could do to draft Luke Hughes, including trading any picks they might get at the deadline? And I told him, uh, honestly, where we're at in our rebuild, I think we're past trying to draft well because obviously, you know, we have Nico Heizer who needs to play more games in order to be effective because uh, the least of the, the, his numbers go down uh, the, the number of games he has played this year. So like the only time he's played 82 games was his rookie year. And that was, you know, his best year. And then, you know, as the numbers go down, so do his, uh, so does his production. Then obviously we got Jack Hughes who has taken a huge step forward, but here's the thing. We have a few diamonds in the rough this year. We have Yanni Kwokinen, 
Igor Sharangovich, and also Ty Smith, who are, you know, right now doing relatively well to really shapeshift how we are as an organization. So I told my uh, listener who sent me this message, I said, while it would be cool to get Luke Hughes, who is obviously the younger brother of Jack Hughes onto the team, I don't think we're at that stage where we really need to just like, you know, worry about who we're drafting because I think we're kind of past that. Now it's like, I think we've uh, found our set of guys to rebuild around. How do we build around them? Like that's not in the draft. And obviously, you know, we got Holtz, we got Mercer, we got foot, we got Walsh all uh, in the lower levels and just waiting for their NHL shot uh, sooner rather than later. So what's your opinion on that? Uh, they, the, the Devils are stacked in terms of scorers, in terms of skaters, in a way that I don't think they've ever really been before. You know, you can really look at terms of next year, even if you take, a, you know, the likes of uh, Palmieri and Zajac, let's say that they're no longer Devils next year, and you bring in uh, a guy like Holtz, um, you know, you, you want to talk about the future? The future is, is, is here. It's, it's now. And it's going to get even brighter. Uh, one of the stories you might have seen this week, Tice Thompson signed with the Devils. Right. And when you're talking about prospects, you know, Thompson's one of the best that, that the team currently has. You're not talking about seeing him in years. You're not talking about seeing him in months. You're going to see him probably in a few weeks. That, that's real. Tice Thompson will probably – be putting on a New Jersey Devils uh, jersey and be playing among those four lines before the end of this season. Um, so who knows what's going to happen, what the trading deadline is going to end up being. You know, I don't really think, and I, I think, you know, uh, we, we had to have this conversation previously. I don't really see the desire and the need, you know, you, you're going to have some of those, players like a Palmieri, like a Zajic, like a Ryan Murray that you could trade somewhere else and, and get prospects. But do you really need to do that? It, no, it, it might, you might be at the, uh, the point and the opportunity where you want to keep everyone together, stay together. You know, it, it brings, it brings a, a new version of the term stay together for the kids. You want to stay together and have the kids, uh, you know, learn from these veterans. You know, you don't want to, trade away your, your veteran assets. You want to keep everyone together because you can't tell me that someone like Sharon Govich isn't benefiting from being on the same line as Travis Zajac. And if Zajac, for whatever reason, left, first of all, I think Devil fans would be just destroyed. But more importantly, does that hurt Sharon Govich's production in his rookie year? No, it doesn't. And Sharon Govich has done wonderfully uh, this year. And, um, I, I, I've been telling uh, my listeners, I do believe Zajac will sign somewhere else, which is why I don't think he was awarded the head captain role because, you know, they, they weren't sure if he was going to return or not. I'm sure, you know, if they knew he was going to return for like maybe a couple more years, then, uh, then Zajac would by far be the head captain because honestly, I wanted him to be the head captain over Nico Heizer. No disrespect to Heizer, but it's just like Zajac has been with us through thick and thin, uh, you know, been with our organization since what, like 2006. So, uh, overall, uh, I, I wanted to see Zajac get that head captain role. I think he really deserves it. And, you know, we, we talked about the veterans, and obviously I, I talked about it in, in, in an episode previously where I felt as though uh, I think Kyle Palmieri might be dealt at the trade deadline. But obviously that was before the Devils kind of went on their hot streak. 
So, and so I, I was a little conflicted because it's like now we're, we're doing well and it's like, we're not sellers, but we're certainly not buyers. And I think we're just like in neutral in that terms. But like I told that listener who sent me the message, you know, uh, in terms of like young guys and drafting, I think we've already gotten what we need to get. Cause you know, obviously we have Heizer and Hughes, both uh, first overall picks, both relatively good and, you know, accomplishing a lot in their young careers right now. And then obviously, you know, we found a few diamonds in the rough with uh, Smith, Sharon Govich and Quokinen. And then obviously we have our young guys, uh, Holtz, Mercer, uh, Foot, Walsh, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm probably forgetting someone, but, you know. There's, al- there's always someone else. There's always, like, they, they, are, they are literally legitimately deep uh, in a way that I don't think the Devils have ever been, ever. Right. And, you know, you just mentioned Thompson and that he might suit up in a devil's sweater in a couple of weeks. So, you know, that goes to show you like how many young guys we're willing to bring into our organization and just overall just uh, help shape shift it. And that kind of leads me into my next question. And this is sort of like a fun one. Um, so do you have any interesting devil stories and interactions with like personnel? Um, it, it's kind of difficult to do with, uh, with quarantine and, uh, you know, in, in a zoom call, I, I really didn't get involved in, in devil's coverage until, uh, until this year. So, uh, you know, all, all of my, uh, my, my pressers and stuff have kind of been, uh, you know, via zoom. The first one that I did actually was, um, back in October, it was, um, the introductory press conference they had with, um, with Scott Wedgwood and just kind of speaking to him. You know, he, he is a very likable guy. And I, I think that uh, the, the, the legend, the, the folklore of, of a guy like Scott Wedgwood will live on uh, beyond him. Keep in mind, he's only 28. It's not, it's not like he's like 50. But in terms of this team, he feels like he's like this ancient, wily veteran, which I guess is, uh, I mean, kind of shows you in comparison to everyone else on the team. He did win a championship last year with the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's more than a lot of these players can say. That's true. Um, well, Scott was actually, he was a part of the team, um, but he never played. He never played. He, never played. Like, he was basically like their taxi squad goalie right. in, his, in essence. And, you know, that was difficult for him, but he, he would joke around, you know, he, he got his start with the Devils. He's kind of the bridge between Mark Ambrodor and Corey Schneider to now, really, because that's where he kind of came in. Uh, he played a couple of games. He got dealt. He went to Arizona and kind of bounced around a little bit. He did a lot of bouncing around in the AHL. And he kind of joked saying that he's playing just about everywhere else in, in upstate New York, which is kind of true when you really think about it. And all the, uh, the minor league uh, AHL affiliates that he was in. And it really just made you want to, uh, you want to root for a guy like that. You want a guy like that to get an opportunity and succeed. And, and we've seen what he's done. And I, I feel like he, you know, when, when the devils were kind of, on the verge of this kind of spiraling out of control, Scott Wedgwood was able to stabilize this team. He was able to keep this team afloat. And you, you, you're seeing the benefits of that right now with this team. Right. And I felt like Scott Wedgwood was a solid pickup for the New Jersey Devils because look what he was able to do in the absence of Mackenzie Blackwood. And in his first uh, uh, game this year against the Islanders, he hadn't played in an NHL game in like three years. The last one was for the – um, Arizona Coyotes so you know it was a, it was a while before Scott Wedgwood um, you know got another chance in the NHL and I think he's making the most of it and I think the Devils are legitimately uh, you know thinking about just trying to keep him around a little longer because 
I personally think he's earned it. And now he's second string goalie, uh, took Aaron Dell's position because Aaron Dell was supposed to be the backup to uh, Mackenzie Blackwood this year. But, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, it, it just looked like it was Scott Wedgwood's time. And I think he deserved it wholeheartedly. And, you know, it, it just goes to show another diamond in the rough for the New Jersey Devils. Absolutely. And, and you remember about the Wedgwood's first start, that was because Mackenzie Blackwood went on to COVID protocol. Right. And, you know, we didn't know about that really leading up to the game. They, they I think, uh, knew about it the morning of. So, you know, Wedgwood, like you said, hadn't played in at least two years in, in an NHL game anyway. And for him to just kind of get that news with hours notice, you know, he, he even filled in for, for Blackwood when he wasn't, uh, when he had an injury, I want to say a week and a half ago. And it was maybe uh, – Got the win. Yeah, and he got the win. And he had maybe like a, an hour's notice because it was kind of him just not feeling feeling well, not feeling 100% in terms of uh, – I think it was – not exactly sure even what the injury was. But he, he, I, he got hurt during pregame. I, there, there was no – that was kind of funny. They didn't really release anything because he returned a couple games later, so it wasn't like it was like a big deal or anything. Maybe he just got tweaked or something. I think he made, might have taken a puck somewhere that, you know, just didn't agree with him or something like that. You know, you don't really know. Um, that's, that's part of the, uh, the joys of covering a team during a quarantine where you don't really have the one-on-one that you kind of have to uh, – you get the information that you're given sort of thing. But, uh, you know, you, you learn to adapt and, and, uh, and, and make the best of it. All right, Robert. So we've talked pretty much about everything. Now here is my final question, and it's a going to be a little bit of a difficult one. What do the Devils need to do? Who do they need to sign? Who do they need to trade in order for us to get back into the playoffs sooner rather than later? Because I think this rebuilding process, thanks to uh, Fitzgerald, is going a lot faster than a lot of people anticipated. So what do we need to do to get ourselves back into the playoffs? It's difficult to say um, you have to really take this opportunity and take the rest of the season to, to really evaluate who you want to keep and who you want to get rid of. Um, th- this is going to basically be, you know, it's not like you're throwing things in the trash, but it's certainly more like a garage sale. You're taking things you don't really need anymore and you want to give them to people who, who can use them. Uh, you have an abundance of riches in certain areas. Do you take a guy like Miles Wood who's having the best year of his career, but he's only 25 years old? And do you get rid of a 25-year-old Miles Wood, or do you keep him and build around him? Do you take some of these young guys and basically flip them as prospects? You know, I've heard people say you can probably build a, uh, a package. If you, if you really want to think pie in the sky, how, how about I leave you with this? You could build a package for like a Connor McDavid a blockbuster deal if you wanted and have that legitimate star. I don't know if, if Edmonton would, would say yes. They probably would say uh, keep adding more onto the pile, please. I mean, they did say yes to a, f- a few years ago in which we got Taylor Hall. So, you know, why and not? And they not want to be burnt again because they, they gave up on an MVP. Granted, he, he's gone elsewhere and he's, he's done other things, but, you know, I think people would refer to that as, as a, a loss for, in terms of the Oilers. And they might, not want to, uh, they might not want to be jilted by the Devils twice in, in one lifetime. So uh, it's difficult. 
but you you have guys like that out there and if you really wanted to really mix things up and get a marquee top flight star to play in Newark, you know, you have the assets to do that. And uh, I, I apologize, Trey, if, if you're going to now get a bunch of uh, emails in your inbox of geez, just uh, ridiculous trade uh, theories out there, but it's, it's possible. You, you truthfully have enough assets if you want to do that, but I mean- this needs to be an evaluation period, no question. I mean, I did episodes surrounding could the Devils get Pierre-Luc Dubois, Sam Bennett, Jack Eichel. So I've been all over the board, quite honestly, because it is possible that they could have gotten, you know, one of those three players. But obviously I said most likely it wouldn't happen. But, right. you know, um, overall, you know, I, that they, I just threw out some certain scenarios that, you know, could could happen if, if uh, Fitzy wanted to, like, you know, pull the trigger on a trade because – He's made it known he's not shy about just, you know, trying to do whatever it takes to help the Devils win. And, and, and you know what? So far, so good. You, you look at um, the, the ability that he had. You can even kind of see they, they had some, some video in the war room and they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do with stuff. They were very happy with what they did this past year in the draft. Fitzgerald was, was more than involved. He, you know, he wanted to, to go over uh, – tape and he wanted to go over scouting reports alongside of his scouts he wants to be involved he 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 wants to be able to make this team successful and thus far you know regardless of the way that this season goes I think you have to look at this as certainly trending in the correct direction I do believe so and I think the future is bright for the New Jersey Devils so I would like to thank my guest Robert Inkin Jr. uh, sports writer for Varsity Aces and North Jersey part of the USA Today branch If you want to know more about his ventures, his Twitter handle will be in the description. Robert, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Again, special thanks to Robert of North Jersey and Varsity Aces for joining me on the show. It was a lot of fun to talk Devils hockey with a fellow Devils media personality. Okay, that's about all the time I have for you guys in this episode. Thanks for listening. Continue to stay safe and have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Remember, we have redemption against the Boston Bruins. And don't worry, we will see the Capitals sooner rather than later when we have to play them as soon as we're finished with our Boston Bruins series. So, Hopefully the Devils can just turn it around quickly because we don't want to fall back into that hole. But anyway, go Devils, and I will catch you guys in the next episode.